There's another podcast you should be listening to, TED Health, a podcast from the TED Audio Collective. Join host Dr. Shoshana Ungerleiter as she introduces you to leading health experts and breaks down the health questions you didn't know you had. Learn more about the way your body works and the newest insights changing the medical world, like what a smart bra means for better heart health, three ways to prepare for the next pandemic, and how we can all live healthier lives. Find TED Health wherever you listen to podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Welcome to Sick Boy, a podcast where we talk about what it's like to be sick. This week's guest is Tara. She has cystic fibrosis and has had two double lung transplants. Let's talk about it. This is, uh, I'm really excited for this because um, I feel like this has been like, this has been like a long time coming. Yeah. This, I mean, and Tara, to be honest with you, um, you know, when we started the podcast, uh, a couple, maybe like a year in, we were kind of talking about like ideal or like, you know, dream guests. And you were one of the first people that popped up on that list. And we've been doing this for seven fucking years. I don't know how we like. Seven? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how we haven't like come around to doing it. I think I've like messaged you a number of times being like, yeah, you should come on the podcast. And then like. Well, initially we were going to do it like in Toronto in person, but not in person. Right. Because right. it was like, right. how do we coordinate right. together but not together? Right. Well, that's it was what gonna I be, think. It was going to be a live recording yeah. right. at the CF Canada offices, I believe. I remember that. Well, they, Something of the sort. Also, I mean, um, the people who are listening to this probably know this by the title, but Terry, you have cystic fibrosis. Yes. And Jeremy, you have cystic fibrosis. Yeah. And Surprise. for when we started um, recording the podcast, all of the conversations that we were doing were in person. Yes. So with you being in Toronto, Tara, oh, and yeah. us being here in Halifax, I, I think that's sort of what like led to us not yes. really connecting, except mm-hmm. for the times that we were planning to do uh, live shows. Right. But also there's a challenge with doing in-person recordings with, with the two of you. Right. And why Why is that? That is because uh, us CFers, if you didn't watch the wonderful movie uh, by our friend Justin Baldoni, yes. Five Feet Apart, uh, us CFers are not allowed to be, <laughs> we're not allowed to even be five feet apart. We're supposed to be uh, six feet Some apart. More. And those two, little, those two little fuckers in that movie, they didn't listen. <laughs> they didn't listen. Um, Tara, Tara, Lisbeth, the new, the uh, new name. Congratulations. You, thank you. Thank you're now you. Newly married. Um, Not really. Just lazy I mean, and changing the name. <laughs> <laughs> well, congratulations on taking that big step. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's wonderful. Uh, it's a Tara, the butt. don't do yeah, that. Yeah, I bet. Just keep your name. Go I by bet. a new one. Oh, yeah. No. Uh, you are, you're like, um, you, you're, you're, you're kind of a face. In Canada, um, with uh, like as a CFer, you know, there's yeah. you you've uh, you've done speaking, you've you've kind of put yourself out there, you've you've advocated big time for lots of people, and uh, that's kind of like how we came to to know each other. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so with that, we're, we're yeah, exactly, yeah, just, just <laughs> run in your mouth, run in your mouth. Uh, we're so stoked to have you here, Tara. This is going to be really really fun. I'm excited. I had to reschedule a couple times because I was sick and I was like, I'm not putting it off. I'm really excited. Yeah. Well, let's get into that. Today. So, so be- before we get into that, um, maybe just, just set up some context for our listeners yeah. um, because not only do you live with cystic fibrosis, but you've kind of um, over the last, you know, X amount of years, the, the recent past since I've known you, yeah. you've had some, uh, you've had some like some tumultuous 
uh, experiences. Tense, so yeah, fun. give us give us a little like rundown on yeah. what Tara with CF is looking like today. On me, um, so I have had a double lung transplant twice now. Twice, which is what makes me a little different from Jeremy. Yeah, just a little. Uh, I mean, two times, two times more different. Two times more different. Twice, yeah. Um, Four, if you're counting the lungs. uh, Yeah, I've had six. I mean, six, yeah, six in total. (laughs) That's fucking crazy. It gets really weird when you think about it that way, or like count out. Yeah, my my, like to jump right in on that. um, I remember when you were getting your second double lung transplant, Mm -hmm. and and I was thinking like, oh fuck, I I didn't know you could do it a second again. time yeah. and then also like could you do it again like, can you kind of like uh like give give us some insight how many, into, yeah, like, how many how lives many, <laughs> how many lives does that cat have yeah <laughs> and and is it i imagine that it's not a good thing when the tra- yeah, well, when you need a second yeah. transplant um, it's, it's i guess it's good now because they can do a second transplant okay. uh but um typically well, I guess you can say there has only been one successful third transplant in Canada. Oh, wow. Um, okay. um, and it was done shortly after me on another CF guy uh, that I knew, Miles. Um, I'm forgetting his last name. Um, but yeah, he was transplanted for the third time. So like doubles three times. So he's had like eight lungs in him. Four wow. Seven. That's um, so true. And yeah, that happened, <laughs> I think within a year after my second transplant. So I had my first transplant. I had turned 18 in July and I went to my first adult clinic in the following October. Mm-hmm. And basically I went with from like within about a year and a half from being told you're the healthiest CF patient in our clinic to you are the sickest patient in our clinic. And this was adults in Toronto compared to being in London, which was a smaller town and I'm from an even smaller town. So, um, it was like I literally went from one extreme to the next. And then within oh, October, November, December, January, February, like four months, I got transplanted. So I went downhill wow. quick. Wow. That's that's crazy. I, I, I wonder too, um, when you say that you went from being the healthiest CF um, clinic mm-hmm. patient, I, I've heard like, Jared, you've sort of been in the same boat, you know, yeah. being a, a fairly healthy yeah. CF clinic patient. You know, our friend Steph Strecco, sort of same yep. idea. I'm, I'm curious, like, is that how it can go with CF? Like, you go from being the healthiest and then, like, all mm-hmm. of a sudden? Because, you like, Jerry, like, for... for like, oh, down you go. Yeah. yeah, because, like, for as long as I've known you, Jerry, like, I've, I've just thought, like, oh, I know that he has this thing that statistically can lead to a short, shortened yeah. life expectancy. But, like, you've been doing so well. Yeah. In the words of Steph Strecco, you've been killing it. Killing it. And, uh, and, and then like it, it can just all go downhill. I mean, that's it. Like that, it really like for, for folks and, and, you know, I, I think I, I feel like it's kind of necessary to put this out there right now. Um, with the, with the, you know, the advances in technology, things have been, yeah things have been on the up and up and Trikafta was big news, Mm -hmm. uh, in 2021 and 2022. Um, and it has, I am, yeah, and it's See, it's changed. I don't it's, know as much about where you're at either. So yeah, so I mean, it has changed my life big time, mm-hmm. and it's changed a lot of people's lives. But it's not a yeah. Cure. You don't cough, and it's I don't. I, I mean, I haven't coughed much yeah. at all since I started taking it. Mm-hmm. However, having it's said so that, weird. it can still at the drop of a hat oh, yeah. go straight to the fucking shitter. 
<laughs> and that's the reality of living with cystic fibrosis. Like you yeah. could be like myself. I, I've been lucky. I've been very lucky. Mm-hmm. Um, I've dodged probably many bullets that I didn't even know I was dodging. Um, and yeah. like you, Tara, you were lucky up until your oh, yeah. you know 18th year. And then all of a sudden you went from being probably what I was at 18 to end stage CF like that. Yep. Like I was, so basically grade 11, I was on a study med that I can never remember the name of. Um, But basically it was like this little device and you inhaled like a sugar pill. Mm. And I either could have been on the placebo or I could have been on this sugar pill that had a med in it. Um, And it was the worst friggin' treatment I have ever done in my life. And I hated every second of it, but it worked. So you coughed up a freaking lung every time you did it. Um, hmm. But I was super healthy while I was on it. Uh, like I was playing volleyball for the high school team. I was in band playing trumpet um, and not even really thinking about the fact that, you know, you got to use your lungs for that. Yeah. Um, and I don't have good luck, like in comparison. <laughs> um, but uh, that was grade 11. And then by the winter semester of grade 12, uh, I that's when actually I just met my now husband. Um, so this is going back. 2010, 2011. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So January, 2011, um, the doctors were kind of like, all right, let's put you in hospital and do a tune up, which I had done a total of two hospital mm. stays that I remember. But can um, you, uh, can you give our listeners like that. for people who don't know what, what, like when you say a tune up what that, what that consists of, what that means? Yeah. They, it's like a kind of quick fix. We're going to send you in for two weeks of antibiotics. Like more one-on-one therapy with the physiotherapist and the dietitians, and try and get your weight up, get your lung function up and just see what mm-hmm. we can do with some like intense IV med compared to just doing antibiotics at home. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I just literally from that January, that whole year just kind of was on a slippery slope of, you know, started sleeping with oxygen and needing that. And then wow. I was hospitalized again the day after prom for a month oh. at sick kids and mm. Which like was such a big deal, and now I look back, I'm like prom, um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. like it was. I was like, I can't miss it. Yeah. Um, At least then, it was after prom, though. <laughs> oh, I well, to be fair, I had a really good uh, peds doctor in London, Doctor Little, um, and uh, he kind of like he allowed me to run the show, and I learned how to like advocate for myself mm. that way. Um, but they were also a family because while I was doing studies with them, like I was at his clinic once a week. Uh, yeah. for hours at a time. So um, we had a good relationship and I was like, yeah, I will not miss <laughs> prom. I will not miss grad. I will not, miss, like I had my list of things. Um, I mean, t- speaking about so, uh, yeah. like advocacy though, I, I I think that that's a really amazing thing because we've, we've heard from people um, who are patient advocates in the past and, and, and that's like one of the things that stands out to me as, as like a really, easy to apply sort of, um, idea of patient advocacy where you're at, where you're sort of like telling the doctor about these important events in your life and they're considering those mm-hmm. dates in their treatment, um, protocol, which, which sort of looks like, Hey, like you have this, um, you know, you want to go to prom and, mm-hmm. and maybe it would be more ideal for you to be put in the hospital a week before that, oh, but was. knowing that it's so <laughs> important to you to, to be at this event, like, yeah. is that like, what is more important from a human level? Is it, you know, getting that week of extra oh, treatment yeah. or is it mm-hmm. not missing out on that thing? That's, that's really important to you. So mm. I, I like that the doctor let you do 17 that. And yeah. I yeah, mean, to be fair, I'm also super stubborn. 
<laughs> which comes in handy. Um, yeah. You know, my parents might disagree, but um, I, I was a good kid. Um, but yeah, I just was kind of like, you know, yeah, I will agree to go to Toronto for a month and stay at sick kids. And basically it was our last ditch effort of like, let them throw everything at you while you're still in pediatrics. They've got different meds, they have different tests they can run. Um, and we'll just kind of see where you're at. Mm. Um, and that was the first time transplant was ever mentioned to me was in Toronto by a doctor. I did not know who just casually was like, oh, no, I still think you're like on the path to transplant. And I'm like, Whoa. oh, wow. And like, yeah. I remember I phoned like my best friend at the time and was like, they just said transplant, like losing my mind because it wasn't a common thing. Yeah. So it was never talked about, like it was never mentioned in clinic. Whereas I feel now that it is science has progressed and it's a successful treatment. Um, it, it's kind of mentioned to people as they get sicker, like, you know, yeah. you know, like the next step of treatment is transplant. Mm. Uh, not so much back then. And I was lucky. I had always been so healthy. We never really had conversations about you need to go in the hospital for a month, let alone. Yeah. Cause you were doing great. Yeah. yeah. What, so, what, like what was the, can, can, if you remember, like what was your lung function when you were doing well mm. to when, when, you know, the, the yeah. word transplant started being used? Oh, see, this is when I usually defer to my dad. He, he <laughs> logged all the stats. I could tell you what my weight was mm. um, because that was the big issue for me. I always had good lungs, but I could not put weight on. Yeah, I was always like, I was taller-ish for a girl and super thin. And um, so I would probably say like at, at the good level, I was probably in the 70s, 70% yeah. range okay. uh, before things went to crap, maybe got up to 80. I don't know. I don't remember. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's been a lot of different numbers throughout the years. Um, and then at that point, like sit the sick kids, doctors ran a test where I'm like in like an astronaut helmet and you lay in a bed and they tell you how many calories you burn. If you do absolutely nothing all day, but breathe, Whoa. um, which was kind of neat, Yeah. Uh, but you weren't allowed to talk or laugh or do any, like you weren't allowed to roll over for like 10, 15 minutes. I'd be laughing Um, my ass off in a fucking astronaut helmet laying down. (laughs) That's hilarious. Like let's put the TV on. And I'm like, no, because I'll react. Like, um, but they calculated I was burning over 4,000 calories a day. If I was just breathing. Wow. So So your heart was just like beating. You're you're like, yeah, yeah. Your body's just like working to, Oh yeah. because you're, because think about it. Your lungs aren't, if your lungs are that shit, Mm-hmm. You're not you're not pulling in the oxygen that you need to like oxygenate your blood. So your mm-hmm. heart's working, you know, whatever, three, four, five times faster, harder than it would. I mean, that's why my like resting heart rate is so high. Like my resting oh, heart yeah. rate's like a 90, whatever, 95, oh, 96. I beat you. I'm like a 105. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Guys, sweet. I, I'm sitting job. here with my with my jaw mouth, dropped. my jaws <laughs> dropped because I didn't know that. Like yeah. I didn't know why. I just assumed like the physical act of, of <laughs> coughing was what like led to burning no, calories. No, it's like you're, too. Yeah, I mean but, there's yeah. that, but it's I think it's more so based on the fact that your body is just working to survive harder yeah. than everyone else. I mean that makes sense, yeah. Your lung function is lower. And so you're burning calories simply by just Existing, tr- existing, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's some people are listening. <laughs> some people are listening, like that's sweet, yeah. but it's, it, yeah, it's it not. ain't. Everybody yeah, is like ain't. just like listening to their heart and breathing now, like yeah. I'm burning calories. <laughs> yeah, I, I want to know, um, um, what was it like, Tara, when when you went from like doing well to um, quickly not doing well? Did you could you feel it happening inside? Like, did you know that something was different? Yes, and no, um. 
I say, again, it's, it's a double-edged sword. The ignorance of having CF, you're born with it, so you don't know any different. So you're used to when you get sick, you catch a cold or whatever, your lung function drops, you feel crappy, and then you rebound a bit. And like your body is like really good at adapting, um, which I have found as well with the transplants. But uh, I definitely like looking back, I'm like, holy shit, I was sick. Like, how did you let me do any? How did you let me go away to university in September? Like, mm. like my mind has been, my parents are like, yeah, no, this is why we kind of argued with you on it. But then we were also <laughs> thinking like, you may never get the chance to do it. So why not let you and see what happens? Like, mm. and I'm going, I had no idea you had those thoughts because for me, I was like, yeah, I just have to like, you know, work a little harder and avoid more stairs because stairs are awful. Like stairs mm. are my nemesis and in, mm-hmm. in my journey of stairs and hills, man. <laughs> so let's, let's talk about transplant because, um, you know, we've had a couple of conversations over the, over the, on the podcast, um, mm-hmm. about transplant specifically like lung transplant, but, um, everyone's experience is very different. Obviously you went through it twice. So the very first transplant you went yep. through, what was, uh, I mean, a, what was going through your mind, uh, when you were ramping up for that? I mean, to, I, I like, I feel like I would be just fucking terrified and like it, I probably wouldn't remember much. Um, I was still in like a state of like disbelief that I actually needed it and that I couldn't just, you know, do a little more antibiotics and rally because, like a lot of it is put on you when you have CF of like, yeah, you got to go home, do more treatments and improve your lung function. Mm. Like it's, it's, it's told to you like, yeah, you have control. Um, when really sometimes you don't, I mean, majority of the time you did, it's like, don't cheat at your treatments, put all your effort into it. Like, um, so they told me I was in, I went in hospital for two and a half months, my first adult clinic in Toronto. Um, like I left university, my dad picked me up in Guelph. We went to Toronto for clinic and they said like, we can't let you leave. Like you need to be on oxygen 24 seven, like oxygen mask, not just the nasal prongs. Um, at that point I was still only sleeping with oxygen and I didn't know how to test my levels and stuff. So there's a lot in hindsight that I'm like, Oh, probably could have done this earlier. But, uh, then they said they wanted to list me for lungs and this is, this will be, uh, Oh, it is 11 years ago that this was all happening. Um, and at that point you had to move to the city where you were going to be transplanted. Like there was no radius you could live within. It was like, you gotta be in Toronto, Uh, to which this is middle of November towards the end of November. And I was like, yeah, but it's Christmas. Like I'm going home for Christmas. And they're all, the doctors are kind of like, no, you're not like, um, so needless to say, (laughs) I went home for Christmas. We gave you prom, (laughs) give us Christmas. All right. This is a whole new team. This is adult world. I went, I'm the adult. I can decide. Um, so yeah, I went home for Christmas and it wasn't until then. So a whole year into this decline madness, uh, that I realized how sick I was because my parents have an annual, uh, Christmas Eve party, I guess not the last few years with COVID, but all of our family friends come over Christmas Eve is big open house. It's, it's like a social person's like best thing. Um, and I always loved it because you got to see everyone and I absolutely hated every minute of it that year. I mm. sat on the couch. I didn't want to talk to anybody because it was exhausting. And then I would just start coughing. Mm. Um, so that was kind of the first like moment where I was like, oh, maybe I am a little sick. Uh, and even at that point, I'm like, I don't need new lungs. I'll be fine. Like, <laughs> um, So we went back to Toronto uh, in January. I was put in the hospital for two weeks just to get me in like the best shape possible to list because it's such a weird thing of you have to be obviously sick enough to need lungs, but you can't be too sick to not survive surgery. So yeah, it's a fine line of things. Um, and back then again, 
I don't want to say they list you easier now, but with someone who has a chronic illness, like it's more known that you'll need a transplant. Um, so we did two weeks in hospital. They listed me and they told me, you know, we don't, we think at this point, like the big changer for me was, we don't think you'll make it to your 19th birthday, um, which at that point is six months away. And I was kind of like, Oh, okay. So this is for real. Like, um, and did so, they have like a, were they like, and typically lungs take yeah, this long six to, to nine kind of months. arrive? Oh, wow. Fuck. <laughs> Holy so they shit. were like, this is why we want to list you right away. Oh my gosh. The dog is on the table. You guys. <laughs> <laughs> it's so cute. cute. When, when you, um, when you actually get put on the list, because like, it, like it sounded like leading up to that, you were sort of, I don't want to say like in denial, but. Yeah. But but Ignorant. sort of just yeah. not really aware. Not yeah. Yeah. yeah, not like, aware of like the severity yeah. of it. Yeah. Like when when they actually put you on the list, did that did that change the way that you were thinking about the situation that you were in? Um, no, because eleven days later, I got my call for lungs. Oh, so wow. I only waited. Like it was literally, we had our meeting with the nurse. We were sent home with like a huge binder to read through of like all this info on transplant and like the recovery and what the surgery is like and the med on like everything. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and I did, you have to work out at the hospital three days a week. So I think I did a total of two sessions in those 11 days, just because we had to get it set up. And then I got the call for lungs. Um, so I had like, I hadn't read anything. Um, the only things I knew were like the survival statistics that they tell you in the appointment. And even that I wasn't really listening because Mm. you're tired and you're sick and you're like, well, if this is my only choice, this is my only choice. It's this or die. So list me like, um, so, and I, yeah, I, so I didn't, I didn't have time to get scared, which was probably mm. good. Um, and I didn't have time to think about it or like dwell on it. And like, when you are that sick, you're just so tired anyways. So, like my day was like, I'm on IV 24 seven, I'm on oxygen 24 seven. It's wake yeah. up, do meds, eat something, do more meds, eat something else, go have a nap, wake up, eat something, do it like, cause I also was trying to put weight on. Um, and I was too sick to get a feed tube put in or have like any surgery done at that point. Um, so I, I didn't, uh, like I came out of surgery and looked down and there was no scar on my chest, like upper neck chest. And I was like, they didn't do it. Like, I remember thinking that and like looking at my mom and asking, and she's like, oh no, they, you're good. Like you have oh. new lungs because they cut you horizontal, like armpit to armpit. Whoa. <laughs> what? Which I had no idea. And Nor did I. <laughs> no, me Until too. right now. Until like, hey, you didn't open the book? I was like, no, not at all. Whoa. Like, so so they, do yeah. they do both sides? It's a straight across, like literally like you, well, these guys can see like my hand gestures, yeah, yeah, but it yeah, literally yeah. So is like from like one from, side, just below your armpit, straight across your sternum. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Right. I see. I see that. Okay. That makes they, sense now. They yes. cut the sternum So like right under the breast, like across, yeah. like that way. Yeah. 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 Okay. So like, I, yeah. see, I, I for some reason I thought you were talking like they kind of cut gills into your into your sides. I've heard they do that in I think it's England, but they do it in your back. No. Whoa. Oh my god, they do it like they you guys like watch angel Vikings? wings. They yeah, call they, it they, angel they, wing surgery. Like that's, the shoulder that's, blade. That's what they call that's what they call the way that they killed dudes in in Viking days. Ew. They would they would split their back open and pull their yeah. lungs out like angel wings. <laughs> no. Yeah, it's great. No. Watch the series Vikings. <laughs> <laughs>
Are vegans actually unhealthy? Does cannabis ruin your sleep? And why are so many men taking testosterone supplements? I'm Mitch. And I'm Greg. And we're the creators of the popular YouTube channel, ASAP Science. Every week on our podcast, Side Note by ASAP Science, we explain the science behind a controversial subject with recent research, up-to-date studies, and ridiculous stories so you are entertained while, bam, simultaneously learning. We're here to make science make sense. Download Side Note by ASAP Science wherever you got your podcasts. So you woke up, you had new lungs. Yep. How did that first transplant go in terms of like the success of a surgery? Very well. Okay. Um, surgery was seven hours, I think, which was typical. Like they quoted six to eight hours. Um, I was off the breathing tube, like the ventilator within 24 hours of surgery. I don't really have any recollection of having the ventilator in, um, because it was, I was, you're drugged up still from surgery, obviously, and sedated a bit. So, um, I don't even remember having it in. I remember them pulling it out and like just being able to like take a breath of what I was used to breathing. And then mm. I like could keep going and keep going and keep go- like, it was like 10 of my little breaths for just like one. And that was right after surgery when your lungs mm. haven't even really fully expanded or anything. And I was oh, just yeah, like, right. Holy shit, this is real. Like, yeah, that's so, so it was fun. Like, I it, sat around and just was like, <laughs> I can breathe, my I can mom breathe, thought I, I was like panic yeah. attacking. It was, she's like, stop. But yeah. Yeah, it's so it wild, wild to to imagine putting lungs in, like the connections. I, 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 I just oh, find no, it I so know. just fucking uh, human Mr. Potato Head. Like, to, it's a well, real, and how they, it works. Yeah. <laughs> like, right? Yeah. Like, I'm like, you just start breathing. Like, the, eight I, hours I, of surgery. <laughs> I think one of the um, things that we hear most commonly or like one of the big fears of having a transplant done is is rejection afterwards um yeah. even though we've talked about this a bunch of time i'm still really not familiar on like how that works or like what the risk is can you mm. can you like uh, explain a little bit about what like rejection is yeah um so what i've learned from my experience because spoiler alert i rejected my looks um oh no yeah. Well, I had another one, so, you know. <laughs> um, basically, from my understanding of it, I rejected at 22 months post. And your risk of rejection is the highest the first two years after surgery. <laughs> so close. Oh. Yeah, it was awful. I, um, I also didn't realize you could you could reject later. I just assumed that when yeah. they put... Uh, when they do a transplant yeah. that you're like, well, I assume that it either takes or it, it, that's it doesn't. What I thought. I like you're good or you're not. Um, well, that's, yeah. why, that's, that's why you I take, felt, like, that's why you take anti-rejection meds for right. quite for, a long, forever. Forever? forever. It's just forever. Yeah. Right. Oh, wow. Yeah. 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 So depending on the organ, it's a different combo of meds. Right. Like lungs is the only one who has to stay on prednisone. Ah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I right. hate prednisone. I bet. Prednisone yeah. hates me. Put it that way. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, I had minor rejection like right after surgery and they just increase your meds. Like basically the first three months you got to stay in Toronto. You're at clinic once a week. You're like really closely monitored blood work, lung function, x-ray, CT, like all the whole shebang. Um, and that's how they look for any rejection issues and they can treat it on the spot by, you know, increasing prednisone or we're going to give you a dose of, you know, this medication or hold off on this med. If your immune system is like too suppressed because they also don't want you like catching an infection or Mm -hmm. like a cold even in the first little while. So like you kind of have to seclude yourself a bit. Mm. Um, But I was also someone who was from a small town and I was in Toronto and it was a really mild winter. So my dad and I would go out and like walk 
everywhere in Toronto. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wouldn't necessarily be busy during the day, but uh, like I didn't go to the movies or if we went to the mall, we'd go at like off time kind of thing. Like mm-hmm. it's basically like COVID life, but 11 years ago. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. but, but other than like, other than those first three months where you're, you're basically still living in the hospital, um, are are you like very quickly, like the lungs are just working and that's literally it's like, all good right away. <laughs> like they so have you insane. up and sitting. I was up and sitting, same thing within 24 hours, they pulled the vent and I was up sitting. Uh, and then you're up walking. Um, the, the only thing that like limited me in hospital the first time was chest tubes. Cause you got to drag around the drainage stuff. So you have to use a special walker that it can all attach to. And like, it's just also like letting the scar tissue heal. So you can actually stand up all the way and like fully breathe and like learning how to properly breathe and like use your diaphragm and belly breathe. Whereas Mm. I don't think I had ever done that before for 18 years of my life. Like the lungs just didn't work that way. Mm. Um, And then I also had a like little um, anxiety issues after surgery. I had uh, AFib. So like my heart was doing weird fluttery things which triggered some like anxiety issues. So then I was put on an anti-anxiety med and we had to kind of balance that out. But like my parents at that point, they rotated off. My dad would stay for two weeks. Then my mom would drive up on the weekend with my sisters. And then my mom would stay for two weeks and dad would take them home and they'd flip. And, mm. um, cause I was, what I was 18. So that would make my one sister like 15. And then Leah would have been even younger. So 13, mm. 12, she'd be 12. She's got a late birthday. So, so they were still in school. Like they went to yeah. school. Mm. We're like, yeah, my sister's just got new lungs. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, living in the hospital. Uh, one no, thing it, that but I, it's like immediate, which is the weirdest yeah, thing. Like, yeah, I spent totally. longer in hospital with a cold than so I to, did for this. To, to that point, wow. what one thing that, and, and before we get into like how things kind of um, uh, sort of how your lungs failed you and you needed a new set, yeah. um, there, was a, there was a period of almost two years where you had these new lungs. Yeah. And I know that, like, at least from what I've, what I've gathered just from mm-hmm. talking to people and, and, you know, research and stuff is that cystic fibrosis before lung transplant is, is one way of life. But then once you go through transplant, living oh, with CF yeah. is very different. Very. Yeah. So like can you give CF us a team was like, bye, see you in a year. And I'm like, what? You don't need to right. see me every other week. Like, now, is that because you are now like under the care of like, I, you yes. know, was it John Granton that did your lungs? No, is that- well, so he, was one of my doctors okay. um, at one point after I had rejected. Uh, I met him further down the road. Um, but it was Dr. Cecilia Shapiro is my girl. She's my okay. uh, <laughs> um, she is. She works at both the St. Mike's CF Clinic in Toronto. So I knew her from CF Clinic. And then she's also at Toronto General, I think mainly Toronto General now. Um, so she was the case manager for me and she like looked over everything. So basically your lungs are now looked after by transplant. Um, and then everything else. So like my enzymes, like I still have to get from CF clinic. Um, and I have to kind of touch base with them, like legally speaking so that your enzymes are still covered by the CF drug plan that the government has. Right. But otherwise they were kind of like, you know, we could just email and check in. Like, but I was like, like, it's almost like they drop you as a They don't like they kept in touch and like, I don't know. CF Mm -hmm. doctors are so different from regular doctors that I'm like, we email and we chat. Like, um, yeah, yeah. Like I send them progress photos of like things I've done or like the scale. Yeah. Look, I put on twenty pounds. Like, <laughs> yeah. um, but but just but, to clarify, yeah. like like see when you have a lung transplant, see your CF isn't gone away, not at all. And no. so no. and so just in the lungs, like, so which is weird. right. 
So are they basically just like, hey, now that you have new lungs, it's going to take a while for your cystic fibrosis to sort of fuck these lungs up in the way that like your previous lungs were. I mean, you had lived 18 years with them. I feel like it's less that and it's more of other issues. You, you now have so much to worry about with these new lungs. We have to, we have to transfer your care to this specialized team. Okay. And uh, we'll see you when you start feel like when that gets sorted. Yeah. You know, we'll, we'll we'll get you back in here. Back off. You will step up again, but also if you start having like, CF liver issues, or if you're having sure. diabetes issues, or if you're ha- like, cause CF, like there's so many friggin' things, like it's everything. there's, there's arthritis because of it. There's like yeah. so many things that are connected back to the CF that like you always keep a connection, but anything lung, I have to go to the transplant team first, even at this point, like I have to let them know. Right. But I mean, the relationship with my CF team, usually I'll be like, Hey, I got like a sinus infection starting. I'm going to need some Cipro. I'm going to call the transplant team, but if they won't give me the script, are you guys ready? Like, (laughs) just because if you don't get the on-call doctor that knows about CF, it could take like a week or two for them to sort something out. Whereas the CF team, they know what patients know themselves well enough to kind of self-diagnose and they'll be like, Oh, you need Cipro. Here you go. Like, because I like the CF clinic is a very, it's a very unique clinic in that there's, there is, like you kind of um, run the show. It's really but, loose. Like it feels yeah. really loose, but, but like, and I don't mean that in a way where it's like it's kind of haphazard. But it, I, oh, I mean more yeah. so like they're it's a you good know, thing. I call mm-hmm. them and I go, "Yo, this is what's going on." They go, "Okay, let's mm-hmm. like, yeah. we'll give you what you need." It, you or know, they say, "What do you want to do?" Yes, do, exactly. Do you yeah. guys do you want think, antibiotics? Do you want IV? Do you yeah. want? This, and you're like, "Oh, okay." Yeah. This is a question for both of you. Um, I, I'm I'm curious to know if you guys feel like your experience in the CF clinic has sort of taught you to be an advocate for yourself or led to you being more of an advocate for yourself in the sense that, and and like partly I think about that in the way that, you know, you familiarized yourself with the healthcare system and the way that it works in that clinic that you know (laughs) sort of what you can ask for and how the thing works. And then maybe does that then sort of translate over to the rest of the healthcare system. Interesting. The yeah. rest of my life, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I you know what? I feel like I feel like it's I feel like the CF clinic has sort of like made me soft. And 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 the reason I say that is because really? if all of a sudden the CF clinic disappeared, oh, I th- yeah. I think I'd be like, oh, I'm fucked. When I don't I have do the pa- I don't have the patience to like oh, no. fucking keep harping on shit and reminding people and telling people that don't know what the fuck they're talking about like th- that uh, I know what I'm uh, talking about like I would get too frustrated with the CF clean it's just easy that's what I mean like it's loose it's like I call them I go hey I'm kind of feeling this and they go yeah, it's probably this and I go you're probably right let's do this and they're like okay and it's just like it's just that's a good point everyone's a yes man in the CF clinic like everyone's <laughs> just going yeah all right yeah all right let's do mm-hmm. that and if that was gone I'd be like fuck I don't want to fight this. Like Dude, this is this good, is such yeah. an uphill battle. We need, we need to do an in-depth episode on the history of the CF clinic, and yeah. where it came from, and like how. <laughs> yeah. Because I'm and so curious. Please about never it. leave. Yeah. yeah, it's such an interesting phenomenon. That's so funny because like my initial reaction was 100. percent I didn't even realize I was self-advocating until it was like yeah. after the fact. Like CF Canada approached me, or Trillium Gift of Life approached, and was like, "Hey, would you want to talk to some patients about your advocacy, or would you want to talk to patients about your experience and being an ad?" And I'm like. I don't know how to advocate. And they're yeah, like, right, yeah. well, you do like, yeah. or it was like when I relisted. Um, so fast forward like a few years, um, I rejected, well, quick summary. I rejected in early 2013. Yep. 
2013. And then in 2014, I was told like we had done treatments to try and stop the rejection. So there's options, there's a different type of rejection. They learn more about it every day. And basically with every patient that rejects, they learn more. So it kind of sucks. Right. More people need to reject for them to learn how to treat it, but it is. Hey, good is. for you for rejecting. For You're that. welcome. I was just yeah, thank trying you. to do my part in science. Yes. Thank you for your yeah. service. You probably, you potentially helped me my in the future. Name stamped on there somewhere, <laughs> you know, a brick. Um, but yeah, so it, um, I don't know why I said a brick. I just, uh, but, <laughs> so yeah, I rejected. Um, and then they said, you'll need another transplant. Like that's your only other option. So I stabilized at that point. I was at 30% lung function. Um, and they said, you know, if we can stabilize you and put off listing and another surgery, the longer we keep these lungs active, the better, because you don't right. know how a second will go. We don't know how you'll recover. We don't know because it's a harder surgery. Like we don't know if you'll make it off the table. Same as the first transplant. Like we, you're sick in a different way. Like I never went back on oxygen, luckily, uh, because my lungs were still filtering oxygen fine, but it was as if they were like becoming scarred on the inside, but without the sticky mucus infection crap of CF. Mm. So like you couldn't take air in quickly or breathe deeply or do anything. So any exertion was awful, but I didn't need oxygen and I wasn't on IVs all the time. And I wasn't sick in the same sense as like CF sick. So like that took me a long time to just wrap my head around. Like I looked fine and I looked healthy and I like just didn't look like my sick CF self. Yeah. Um, so I actually didn't list for lungs again until 2016. So I, I kind of bridged Holy. the gap for a while. Um, and I also pushed it being like, eh, I waited 11 days last time. There's more donors now. Like I'm the most common blood type. So I, I'll be fine. And I'm not as sick. Um, and then, so I went from one extreme to the next once again of waiting 11 days to then the second time waiting two years and two months. Um, wow. so the second transplant was when I had all my like thoughts and doubts and like overthinking of transplant and what it is all involved and everything. Um, but I was lucky I had the experience of the first one already. So like, I already knew what I was going in for, which I say is worse. Most people are like, Oh, then you're better off that way. And I'm like, no, because I know that you cut me open. Like, yeah, <laughs> and yeah, it yeah. Hurts. yeah like, I've gone through it. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to do so it again. You know, it's uncomfortable and you know, mm. there's chest tubes and like, you know, there were a few bumps in the road, like having tubes removed and like someone forgot to stop an anti-clotting med and then you're bruised all down your butt to your knee, like things like that. Oh, wow. So I'm like, I just don't want to do it again. Like, yeah. obviously, and then they're like, well, no one wants to, but you also have to prove, not prove, prove is a bad word, but like you have to kind of make a case for yourself to list again because yeah. organs are scarce. So yeah. like you, yeah. you, you have to be a good patient, obviously. Um, like they have to, you have to be somebody that they're like, yeah, like you took all your meds, you weren't reckless. Like you didn't do anything to cause this rejection basically. Right. Like, you know, if you were like, cause there are patients out there who think they're cured, um, and they go out and some end up like partying and drinking and drugs and they just go down a bad hill of, because they're trying to live, you know, what they thought they missed out on. And yeah. next thing you know, they're forgetting to take meds or like, you don't even necessarily have to go down a path of like drugs and drinking, which happened to a few of my CF friends even. Um, yeah. but sometimes you just get so caught up in normal life that you're like, Oh shit, did I take my meds? Like, yeah. What's oh, the name for that? A pa the patient like the, cause I have a friend who's actually going a, through know, this right now. Name, and, and there's like a name for like, like, and, 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 you know, I was talking to her the other day, she's kind of going through a similar patient. process, it's, but you have to be a, it's something, but she would be, she was saying something happened and like, 
like there was a bit of a fuck up on the medical professionals side. Oh, um, yeah. And one of the medical professionals charted something that didn't actually oh. happen. And, and, and she's a nurse. So she, a she found out and she was like, well, I got to like, I got to, I got to make a report because like, if this comes back on me, then it will make me look like whatever the P, word is, I fucking forget. And then, and then it, it, she might not be able to get the transplant that she's yep. kind of listed for. So Which is kind of crazy. The, the name that, that we're like trying to think of. Just it, a shitty it, patient. Basically, basically, it means that you're a shitty patient or it means you're that like, you're, 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 you're an irresponsible, you're, you're irresponsible, you're irresponsible patient. And, yeah. and we're not going to waste a fucking organ on you if you're yes. not trying to take care of yourself. And you have to be a good patient you, to be able to get. It's it's yeah. kind of like Elf on the well, Shelf. Well, even to be listed. It's the same thing. Elf on the Shelf. You know, you got to be a good boy or a good girl. And you got to be on the, you got to be on the Yeah, even to be listed and while you're listed. Like they do blood work. They do like, so for being for any organ, uh, especially lungs, like you can't drink and you can't smoke and you can't like, so it used to be so strict that you couldn't even be around anyone smoking because yeah. they do blood work and it would pick up the nicotine in the blood work and they, you would, Whoa. yeah, like this is more in the States than Canada, but again, organs were so scarce and the transplants weren't a guarantee. So like it used to be way more strict than it is now. Um, Does it, do you feel, um, do you feel judged when you're like listing? Because I feel like, I mean, there's obviously a criteria for like, who is the um, best person? No, because I am a young white female who was, you know, liked school and studied, you know, was always home on time. And I honestly, I was sick in my prime, like becoming an adult and late teens early where like most of my friends would have gone out like drinking underage and different, like, I think I drank underage once. Uh, like, whereas like, you know, if you had asked my friends, yeah, they went out a few times or like even on prom, I don't think I drank anything. I slept me too. Me, me, me too. Me too. Me too. I, yeah. uh, same, yeah. same, same, same. I, I didn't, you. I, <laughs> me too. You shouldn't. Me too. No, like prom, like I was asleep in the limo between photos and driving around and like yeah. in Sarnia, we live on the border and the water and you always get pictures done down under the bridge by the lake and the river. And like, I slept on the drive. Like I, yeah. I was pretty sick, and even then, yeah. didn't realize. So Did, I was a bit of a goody two shoes. Sarnia, Brian, Brian, you were a good boy too. Didn't you get arrested in Sarnia for near weed there, possession? Yeah. yeah, near there. Yeah, right. But I'm not trying to list, so it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, and it's changed now too because now, like, it's legal. Yeah, um, what? And not, it, there's medical uh, not, use and everything. No, no, no. A little different story though. He was no, crossing saying, the border, no. crossing the border with uh, weed, still so illegal. It wasn't legal for me, but anyway, um, my 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 question about my my question about listing though is that like when so obviously you were in a really good quote unquote position in terms of listing the first time, Um, the second time when you all first time is what I was I got lungs as soon as I did right but like the second time when you list Mm -hmm. because you've already received a transplant did they look at that as a a sort of risk in giving yeah. you a new set of lungs. They're like, because ah, they have to match yeah. my antibodies and blood work and every like they match you by like height, gender, race, that kind of stuff for organs. And then it gets down to antibodies and like more medical stuff that way too. So when you add in a donor organ, uh, they, it makes a second set of genetics and antibodies and everything to match. So you're actually like a three person match. Oh, like, well, wow. So you have to be like a, like a threesome instead of a, a, yeah. a duo. And then if I want to do it again, it's four of us. So <laughs> Whoa. it's just like, it, it, it be, you're a more complex match. Plus 
because there was no rhyme or reason for my rejection, the type I had, uh, there was no name for it at the time. They might have a name for it now. I don't know. Um, But it was also, they wanted to match me perfectly if they could. Um, Mm. Because the first time I was so sick, I was listed highest priority and I probably got the first set of lungs that came in that were my blood type and matched my antibodies because Mm. I was top and I was, I'm type O. I don't remember if it's positive or negative. Yeah. Oh, negative. Yeah. I think it's the universal. Then I could I, be wrong about that. that I you, know, you know, what's interesting is I, so, um, my, like from a bro science perspective, yeah, one thing that I negative. always think of when I think of uh, transplants is I imagine, um, transplants. So like I've, I've moved apartments a few times in the past couple of years and I had this Ikea bed frame that I put together the first time it was super sturdy. Then I moved into a new apartment and I took that bed apart and then I reassembled it. And the second time it was like pretty good, but it was like noticeably a little bit shakier. And then the third time when I put it together, <laughs> it like it lasted for two months and then it just, you just it just broke. And yeah. so I imagine that like when you're when you're like I don't know how the they do lung transplants exactly, but I imagine that they're like taking apart some sort of valves or something, or, and then yeah, yeah. connecting them, right? It's really it's easy. It's simple. You unplug yeah. and plug back in. It's, that's it. Yeah, but, but then but like, when to, you have to do the same, any surgery, when you repeat, there's scar tissue. Yeah. Right. Which means yeah. more bleeding, which means yeah. more cutting, which means, which I also was like, then why would you cut in the exact same pot? Like, I went into the second one thinking, oh, cool, I'm going to have two stripes now. Like, um, But I didn't. They went in the exact same spot. Right. Right. So which was, I thought was weird. Like, if you could avoid the tissue. They should have gave you those or, angel wings. You know, yeah. I did not want that. I would have come out swinging. <laughs> but are you, and, and so I guess my question more so is, is like your mindset going into that second surgery. Like, do you have concerns <laughs> about, you know, what that will sort of, what the result will be like knowing that like you've already had that done once. And then my, from my perspective, I'd be like, fuck my connections are going to be shittier <laughs> this time. Well, than they were the last yeah, time. The, my biggest annoyance was they didn't know what caused my rejection. So I'm like, how do you know it's not going to happen again? Yeah. Right. Like, but at that point too, it was, I'd already been alive for five years. I ended up being six and a half years with the first set of lungs. With lungs. So I was like, hey, even if I only get another five, six years, like I had done so much in those five, even the two years with the healthy lungs, that I was like, to me, it was worth it. Mm. Um, and then you're kind of like, well, science has improved and you hope that, you know, you get a good set. And like, they were very reassuring for me in saying you're listing healthy now. Like it's obviously not healthy, but in their world, I was a healthy candidate. So Mm. I could wait for a better match and not just the first one that comes available. So we keep you alive. Like, did you get married before or after the second (laughs) transplant? (laughs) Um, Our timeline. So we started dating second date. I went in a hospital and he came to visit. It was really cute. And then that's when I was like, this guy is either an idiot and he's going to stick with me or he <laughs> should just be my friend and we'll figure it out. But no, he's, uh, he stuck around. So we were together. We didn't get engaged. We made a rule. I said, no proposals, no nothing until I was done school. Um, I'm three years younger than him. So initially I went back to school, university, uh, rejected, moved home, was told you're going to really list for as long as you go stay home where you have support, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I was pissed. So um, I ended up going to the local college and I did a two-year degree in marketing business. You know, your basic. I was just really angry that I couldn't keep doing my specialized stuff from university. Anyway, 
that's another story. Um, so we, I set a rule of like no engagement or anything till I'm like done school and a little bit older and like have a job so I could, mm. you know, contribute. Um, which didn't happen for much longer. Uh, so he, I relisted in May of 2016 and he proposed in July, right before my birthday. Um, well, I went to Niagara Falls and, uh, he took me up in a helicopter and proposed. Wow. wow. That's so amazing. Beauty. Yeah. And I had no idea. That was the worst. <laughs> Completely. Like we had planned the trip. I had to live in Toronto for a month and do listing stuff. And it was like, I was by myself and I was moody and complainy and I'm like, I'm back in hospitals. <clears throat> He's like, well, we'll book a trip. We'll go away for a weekend. Like once you're out of hospital and listed and things are fine. I was like, sweet. So we chose Niagara. Mm. It was good. We saw like my family and his family. I have a sister in Buffalo. He's got one in St. Catharines. And- Did the wedding yeah. happen after the second transplant? After, yes. Because I said okay. then, well, so we thought I wouldn't wait as long as I did. Um, so I didn't get lungs till 2018. Uh, but... I said, if we're having a wedding, we're going to pay for a wedding and do all that. I better damn well be able to enjoy it. Um, And I'm the one who at like any wedding or get together, I'm the one out dancing and singing all night. Yeah. And he's the one who's completely fine to just go to a pub and have a beer and like play cards and pool. And so, um, yeah, I won that argument for wedding players. Was was there any, like, was, did you guys have any, because I, because I can imagine like, okay, you're engaged, you're in love. You've got no. a second lung transplant. <laughs> Hopefully, uh, you got a second stays, lung transplant. <laughs> a second lung transplant on the way. Yeah. You know, before going in for that transplant, was there? Did you guys even give yourselves the the space to, or did you even entertain the, the thought of like talking about what? What? Okay, if I don't make it out of this, what does that look like? I you did. know, or yeah. Um, I am a type A anxious person outside of being sick. So I overthink everything and I plan everything mm. um, to a fault, uh, which I have now improved being healthy. Again, another story. But uh, so like I was the one that was like, um, we were set up that he had, he owned the house we lived in. And I mean, we'd been living together for like eight years, um, but everything was in his name because I was on disability mm. and I couldn't work. Obviously I barely made it through my schooling. I had to cut my degree short. And so I like, we had to run our relationship in a smart way Mm. if we wanted to be semi-financially stable. And like, I didn't want him to be left with any medical like debt or things in his name. Yeah. If I was to pass away earlier, like he, you know, him being responsible for like doing all of my affairs and my estate and what, which I didn't have like anything to my name, but like, it's still, it's still, process, still. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And it's not like my parents would just be like, good luck, buddy. Um, obviously they would handle <laughs> it, but uh, I have, you know, I had good parents. They contributed a lot financially, mm. emotionally supportive, everything. Um, so like we, we talked about it and I mean, he was always the guy who of the two of us, he would be like, you know, we're going to get through it and it is what it is and it'll be fine. And if we get to the point where, you know, you are like deathbed again, we will, we'll talk about it. Like Mm. he's, he has the ability to just set that aside and be like, that's a future problem. Yeah. And I'm like, which is good. I mean, that's a good thing to have it all the time. So we're opposites in many ways, which is, yeah, which is, which is good that you're not both that either way. Right. It's, it's it's good. And it's not in the sense where like, like Mm. if, if you're anxious about it and you Mm -hmm. need to talk about it and it, and talking Mm -hmm. about it makes you feel 
better about her, more comfortable with the idea, then being able to communicate through that and not just mm-hmm. like and I and I know that you're not saying this about your partner but but for anybody who's who's listening and like they're they're trying to have this type of conversation with their partner and their partner keeps going like don't worry about it let's yeah. push that yeah. up there's a then, difference in dodging then, it and being yeah, reassuring t- of like I'm here <laughs> no matter what happened like yeah Totally. And, and, um, I, I understand that too. It's, like I, yeah. I, because I, when I think of like bringing that conversation up, oh, um, it like, it, it never seems like the right time because yeah. like if you're sitting at home and you're, you're healthy and you feel pretty good, then yeah. it feels uncomfortable or weird to bring up the yeah. fact that like you want to talk about what it will be mm-hmm. like when you're not. So I it understand was the convenient challenge. to have clinic, um, and have that kind of be the segue into it. Mm-hmm. So usually before I had an appointment, like I always would get anxious, even though like you test your lung function at home post-transplant, like you do blood work often. Like I already know all the results I'm going to get at clinic, mm. but I still always like get anxious and don't sleep well the night before, even mm. to this day. Um, but, uh, and I mean, I also, this is when like, so COVID hit and like fast forwarding a bit, like I had a bad mental breakdown issue. I call it like midlife crisis kind of thing. Um, because we, we for, for people who stuff. don't know, like COVID, COVID, and and anyone with any transplant, oh yeah, is was like you are locked like, in your house, don't touch anything. Like, like I was don't. fucking scared, and and yeah. and I haven't gone down that road. Um, but like for people with transplant, it's a yeah. very different story. Bad news mm-hmm. bears, very bad news bears. Yeah, which it was, it was a bad, it was a good bad because it led me to therapy um, with mm. the CF clinic, and then just general everyday human therapy locally and now Mm. we do couples therapy so we Mm. learn how to have these conversations so like hindsight I'm like damn I wish I knew this then but going back to like when I'm realistic so making the decision on like when I was going to list and all of that you know we had to make those choices and it was also who's going to come live with me for the three months after so the second time I was allowed to live at home while I waited so on a good day I can get to Toronto in about three and a half hours um right downtown again, depending on traffic, I could be four to five hours, but it's not, it's doable. Um, so I was allowed to live at home and wait for the call. Uh, I was not given a beeper this time. I just had a regular old cell phone. Um, and which the worst part of the first transplant, they didn't even call me on the beeper and I had to carry that beeper around. And I was really excited to watch it go off because I'd never witnessed a beeper go off. I'm born in 93. We didn't use those. Um, Whoa, that's really but, cool. Uh, it's like when you go to one of those yeah. restaurants and you get like the little thing the little that's going to yeah. call you when you're taking you're like, how far excited. can I like, go with this? Like, yeah. what's the range on and this And I'm thing? like, I don't even know how to use it. What, you can't answer it. And my dad, like, just call the number on it. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know. Like, um, So like things were different listing even. So I'm like, this is reassuring. You know, they've come. Technology's improved. Um, but yeah, so like it, it came up. And we would talk about it. And like, he, my partner was not dismissive of my worries. Like he was like, I'm here and I'm listening. Um, but at that point too, I had, so before I got sick, I didn't know anybody with CF other than one other girl in town because my parents knew her parents. They worked together, small town kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And we had to like avoid each other, which we weren't at the same school in elementary school, but we were in high school. Um, but she unfortunately was very sick and was never there and ended up passing away. I think when we were in grade 10, maybe, Mm. but I like, I, even then I, I separated myself from her because I was like, well, I've never really been sick per se. And she needed a liver transplant and I never had liver issues. So I was able to kind of like not block it out, but be like, it's not the same. Um, so then like 2014, it was, 
forgot where I was even going with this. Um, listing. Oh, talking. My husband. Not dismissive of it, but he's very like, you know, this is a situation and we will face it and get through it. And it is what it is. And I had made a Facebook page at the time um, because rather than trying to phone my parents and my sisters and my aunts and uncles and grandma and everyone and be like, here's how clinic went. I need to relist for lungs. Like the first transplant, my dad updated on Facebook. So everybody added my dad as a friend on Facebook. Um, and then I kind of went, yeah, I don't really want all my friends being friends with my dad on Facebook. <laughs> so I made a Facebook page to just update on like clinic and it kind of ended up evolving into this like blog. And that's how I met people with CF as I started meeting transplant people. Um, but I also met people when I stayed at the adult clinic at St. Mike's in person for the first time of like other people with CF, like they were literally like across the hall from me and like, they'd walk over and like knock on my door and be like, Oh, Hey, like I'm Aaron. Nice to meet you. And I'm like, mm. another person, like what? How, so, like, how, more of you? Like, how much, like, how much did, were, but, like I, I never had a reason to kind of like go and find one mm. before, mm -hmm. like, mm -hmm. cause I when didn't you, have stuff to like talk about. When you watched um when you watched Five Feet Apart, did did like the opening scenes where the kids with CF are like hanging out in the hospital together? Did it just, did it feel like especially, that? see for me, I would I was kind of okay with it because once once I was post-transplant, there were a select few CF friends that I had um that I have hung out with in person. Um most of them were post-transplant as well, so we're far less of a risk to each other. Um, but one was pre-transplant, uh, but we were like, you know, smart about it. She wasn't sick. She wasn't growing any active infection and we would keep mm. distance. So yeah. Um, especially when you throw Cepatia in the mix and I am like very terrified of it because I don't have it. So I haven't. Had and I have it. Right? That's, I mean, exactly. that's what, that's why Which is we, why, like, I was so game. Like, I was like, I yeah. want to record. And even, I think one day you had a speaker who like canceled last minute and you're like, do you, are you in town? I'm like, I am in town. But yeah. then we were like, how could we set it up safely? Cause I was yeah. like, I didn't even know if we could be in the same like bar at the same time, like yeah. opposite ends of the room. Like that's right. Yeah. Can you, can you explain it's, what Sapatia is again? Um, yeah. I mean, I'm a fucking idiot, but Sapatia from what I gather is a type of bacteria that is found in, I mean, like it's pretty common to be honest with it you. Is. It's like, no. it's found in like, like, um, like still and water and something? like soil. I think it also is like like rotten onions or something that I got to stay away say, from. Potato or onion, something. Yeah. So like like if I'm we at the think grocery we'd store, we know where it is, but we. we I mean, I, I fucking have it. So like, I mean, if I'm at the grocery I store, I mean, I shouldn't be, but I shouldn't be touching like rotten onions. Uh, like swimming in like a dank kind of like oh, like yeah, still yeah, yeah. lake kind of thing. Like if it's if it's sort of like a dank lake, like I I shouldn't be doing that kind of thing. I feel like nobody <laughs> should really. I mean, really, it's kind of <laughs> gross, right? But I mean, how many? And you is, know, is, there's is, like is, sometimes you just you're sometimes you're at a music festival and you're like it's fucking hot, and I, all I can do is just dive into this <laughs> shitty well, and piss I grew pool up of water. On a lake. Like, like I yeah. live on Lake Huron, which is not yeah. a dank. It's that's very nice. that's, like, that's like an ocean lake. That's a big it's fucking still, lake. Yeah. People are like, "Oh my yeah. gosh, you swim in the lake!" And I was like, "Yeah, is yeah. like we are surrounded by beaches." Yeah, I mean, there, it, we, you know, the, like the city of lakes is right across the bridge from here. Common and, and thing. I I grew up paddling in, in lakes. You know, that's probably why I have sapatias because I spent so much time on lakes and in water. Isn't um, it moldy leaves the, too? Wet. Yeah, leaves? yeah, Something yeah. There's like like anything with mold. I think is like kind of bad. But anyway, sapatia is bacteria that that if I have it. Um, because of the way that my body works, because of the, you know, the mucus secretions and the, 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 the inability to like flush out, um, 
to flush out mucus with like the, the way that my chloride channels work, that bacteria sticks in me and affects me. Whereas like if I took a bunch, like a handful of cipation and just shoved it at your face, you, Brian, it, your body goes, I don't need this. This is fucking stupid. Get it out of me. And it goes away. Yeah. Now You can sit there and cough in his face and it doesn't do now, anything. Now, if I was hanging out with someone with CF, or let's, let's say that Tara was here in studio mm-hmm. with us. We're on Zoom right now. And I sneezed or coughed and I gave her the cipatia. I mean, th- that is a perfect example of one of the things that can take someone who is killing Perfectly it with CF to, to end stage CF like that. Yeah, it. like very, very bad. Yeah. <laughs> it was really dark of me, sorry. Yeah. So I mean that's why that's why they're you know that's why when when that's and why that's CF why patients all can't CF hang out. patients yeah just cepatia yeah. is like the worst of the pseudomonas I think is another one that like you I don't have really had, I have that mess yeah. around with yeah but, it's so, like a sexually transmitted infection <laughs> that's not that's right. only sexually, for sexually CF transmitted for CF and it's only yeah. and it's and less yeah. sexually and more platonically <laughs> uh, it's like it's delivered through high fives. <laughs> uh, well, it's yeah because it's just it's stuff that's in the air like so I've always had pseudomonas. And it has only been the last, I'd say, five to 10 years that it has been like, oh, pseudomonas is really bad. And they actively mm. treat it and they can eradicate it. Right. Whereas for me growing up, like I've always had it. But it was just like, well, if you're sick and it shows in a sputum culture, sure, we'll give you antibiotics. But you just, mm. you have it. Like, so even that's a difference now because I see like CF or moms that have kids with CF and they're like, my kid just cultured it for the first time and we're on heavy antibiotics to get rid of it. And I'm like, you can get rid of it, like yeah. Because so I, I think I have cepatia, but like it's it hasn't really like I it culture, but it doesn't it doesn't really fuck with me. I no. love those two words yeah. so much. Cepatia reminds me of like a a color that we haven't quite yet discovered. Oh. Yeah, yeah. And like pseudomonas a mixed with something. Yeah. Right. And and pseudomonas is pseudomonas. like a like a thing you'd say to your friend who just caught a sick wave. Yeah, dude, pseudomonas, bro. <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, Tara. I always forget the medical terms. Like, yeah. We use them commonly. Yeah. Tara, um, uh, you know, speaking of, uh, I, I mean, I feel like we've covered uh, quite a bit of, like, your your story and your journey. Mm-hmm. And and we are, we're kind of coming to time here. But, we are, yeah. Um, your, your second transplant, it, yes. it seems to have gone well. It did. In terms of the lungs, like there's, is there, are there any signs of re- rejection at all? None. So None. Far. Okay. Yeah. Basically got the lungs on my 25th birthday in July of 2018, which was like a movie in of itself that I was like, there's no way. Um, and then we got married in January of 2020, right before COVID hit. So also perfect timing in hindsight. Um, I had started my first job. I was healthy. I got the all clear kind of from clinic of like, you're super healthy, go have fun. And then COVID lockdowns happened. So, um, yeah, we went into some mental health issues and troubles, whereas I had been lucky growing up. I never really dealt with the social workers or anything. Um, mm-hmm. And it's probably been like the best, worst thing that's happened to me because now that I am like actively in therapy, like my husband and I communicate better, whereas we never yeah. thought we didn't communicate. And like normal life has been hard for me in shifting to normal thinking. Like I don't wake up and like my day isn't scheduled around treatments anymore. And it's not scheduled around meds because I literally take a handful in the morning and a handful at night. That's all I do. Like, and you're good to go for the day. Um, so COVID has obviously kind of impacted that a bit. Like I, I love my mask and I still wear it in public. Mm -hmm. Um, but it like that shift for me, I went from always like being like, what time is it? When's the next med? When's the next treatment to 
having nothing to schedule and trying to just be excited about like normal things and not think about your health first, Mm. um, really just screwed with my head. Um, so yeah, I got into like doing therapy for myself and trying to get over that anxiety and over the, like the need for being structured and planning. Um, and then I've been like, we've learned different communication styles for my husband Mm -hmm. and I, and like, you know, it was, uh, bad for us. Like we actually, we split for a little while, um, Mm. and just kind of went our separate ways and said, you know, if it's, it's meant to work out, it will, and we'll come back and figure it out. And we did. So, um, like it's not something we broadcast, I guess I am now, but, um, it wasn't something (laughs) we, we, we didn't hide it. Like, you know, it was, it happened and, I, I actively like talk about, Oh yeah, I have a therapy appointment this week. Same as I'm like, Oh, I have to go to the eye doctor, uh, which I think mm-hmm. is a big thing and obviously a whole new topic, but like that, that's been my issues post transplant and I'm diabetic now. Oh, so, like see like CF related diabetes. I, yes. And no, it's, it's okay. prednisone induced. So pretty much anyone with CF oh. who has a second transplant, you're going to end up with diabetes because right. they have to put you on such high doses for so long. And I've been on prednisone every single day for over 10 years now. So fucking wow. crazy. So yeah. crazy. So when, when it's like when a type one almost, yeah, but right, it's also right. CF related. So it doesn't make any sense sometimes. It's sure. Knowing, uh, knowing that, that we are getting close to time, but knowing also that, um, you know, a big, I'm personally a big fan of therapy and wanting to, to dive in a little bit deeper on the mental health side of things. Um, what was it like, that having that like moment of realization that like, Oh, this is what I'm feeling right now is something that I can go and sort of seek help for. Like, did, was it a, did you have a, uh, was there like a, a moment where you were like, Oh, I'm feeling really anxious and I should probably talk to someone about it. I was like a full on crash and burn. I needed to talk to someone. What, what happened? Um, I'm trying to remember, like, I, there was just a lot of, like, I felt like I wasn't connecting with anyone and nobody understood. And the CF friends I had made online or the transplant friends or like, nobody quite got it. And I felt bad for complaining while I was healthy. Like, mm. it's hard to talk to somebody who's waiting for lungs when you've gotten two sets sometimes. Mm. Like, and it's not like they put that guilt on me. I think I put it on myself. Um, And then it was just some poor life choices on my part where I was like living in auto drive and not thinking and just kind of, you know, talking to whoever I could talk to. And then I started focusing on fixing others instead of myself without like I've always been a I've realized I've always been a people pleaser. Um, And I've always tried to do that because I felt like when you're at home sitting on a couch sick and that's all you do, like you start to pay attention when people talk. So like, I always knew what gift to get people for their birthday because it would have been mentioned in passing and I don't have anything else happening for me to forget it. Like, so like, I just, I really went from like being on this high of I'm alive and I'm healthy and things are going well. I got a job. I'm married. Like to just like, I still don't really understand it. Like almost like I was living like two like there's a term mm-hmm. for it from therapy of like, you know, not an outer body experience. Like I wasn't witnessing myself going through life, but it was just like, you know, I started talking to different people and I started relating to different people. And then I was trying to help different friends who I wasn't necessarily like had been friends with for a while. And, you know, trying to like a friend that um, 
had initially approached as someone else who was on depression and anxiety meds. Um, and down the road, I found out that uh, they were actually an addict as well um, and an alcoholic. Um, and that relationship just got messy fast because um, it had started on like a, a level of trust and understanding similar to what I have with CF friends. Like, like someone messages me on Instagram and they're like, oh, hey, I also have CF. Like, this is how Jared and I met. Like, mm. and all of a sudden you're like, that bonds you and we're best mm -hmm. friends. Like, I get mm. you. Um, and you can come to me tomorrow with like your life story and sobbing and like you need someone and I get it because I've been there. Um, mm. But it wasn't, it was, you know, false pretenses and a, a different thing. So there were, there were a lot of factors, but it was, I didn't know where I was going with life or what to do or how to plan for a future that is still not guaranteed, but a future where you are healthy, mm. um, but also not risking too much because you don't want to like, I was working at a bank at the time and I ended up leaving my job at the bank because COVID is still ongoing. Um, mm. And now I, I, I found a great job, but like there's things like that where you still have to factor in the risk of, I am extremely healthy now. Like my lung function is 110%. I almost broke 140 pounds on the scale yesterday, which is like wow. mind blowing yeah. for me because like I was 70 pounds before the first transplant, like never in my life would I have bet that I would be 140 pounds and I am damn proud. Like, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. like, so, so it's, you're healthy, but you still have to think like a sick person in some mm. ways. Mm -hmm. And that can be very uh, like draining and and kind of beat you up mentally a bit. Now, now we 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 were supposed to record it like a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, but, but you I got COVID. COVID. You had COVID. I got COVID. Yeah, what was I, the, like uh, like when you got it? Was that the first time you got it? Yes. And so were my you, husband and I you, have avoided it. Were you terrified? Like, how did it feel when you got that? That I feel like line? it was. It was so fun. Literally, I feel like it was like a movie scene where someone is watching their pregnancy test and they do not want to be pregnant. Yes. And they're like, the look on their face in a movie when they're like, oh, which pregnancy is not something to joke about. But that's what I felt like it was. I mm. saw like immediately that line and I went, holy oh, shit. Fuck. Yeah. I am fucked. Like, because the last two years of COVID, I think, say, eight out of 10 friends who caught COVID that were CF and transplant were dead. So like ended up in hospital, uh, intubated and died. Like, so I was like, cool, cool, cool. But I have oh. had five vaccines. And then I had also been given the Evusheld, Evusheld, something like that, um, which is two doses of literal antibodies injected into you so that my body didn't have to produce the antibodies against COVID if I was wow. to catch it. Whoa. So that is what changed it for me was mm. that it's not well it's an injection but it's not a vaccine because it's a lie like basically the issue with me being immune suppressed and on these meds <laughs> that suppress my immune system so that my body doesn't discover my lungs was that when you do get sick you produce antibodies to fight off a cold and right. those antibodies if they kind of overpower at all or build up too much they can then discover your lungs while fighting off a cold so that's why yeah, like, right and they're like fuck this thing this is orange get it out yeah, yeah. Oh, any wow. infection is a big never heard issue. it put that way that's so, fucking so your lungs are basically like uh <clears throat> like a stealth good. like a stealth agent yeah moving they're through like like, like highly anonymous mode like <laughs> they're, yeah they're like they're like they're like creeping through a building Full no, of dude, like, no, no, full no, 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 not even they're that. Dude. They're incognito. Yeah, they're they're the they're the like they're the Russian family that lives next door, but they're acting as Americans and, <laughs> and, and like the the Americans that that fucking show where it's like, <laughs> yeah. 
they've been implanted and they just are a part of the community and then but then all of a sudden you like you and the you antibodies see, they're yeah. they're like uh they're like uh the FBI rolling through town that's making right. everybody and they do like something a, is off. Yeah. a certain yeah. test that's going to like <laughs> yeah. blow the cover of those secret agents yeah they're cooking oh, borscht in so the, that's why like the, <laughs> even the comes cold by to grab can be an issue which is you know <laughs> you can get the cold all winter welcome to canada yeah. <laughs> so well, but, I, like, I'm, it, I'm glad yeah. i'm glad to hear it went well and and i'm glad <laughs> to hear that uh you know i was i'm, I was I'm glad to hear relieved. you're well like uh, like there's so many there's even so today, many things I was like i'm still a little sick but but you know if i sound sick because i'm on sick boy yeah, that's right. You're supposed to be sick. Yeah, Tara, I just like I I I'm so glad we got to have this conversation. Mm-hmm. You know, you you really are you're you're like you're you're so you are a great good patient, you know. Um I'm still uh, trying to think of what uh, that word elf, is. Elf on, shelf, elf on the shelf elf on the shelf would be proud. You'd be oh, on the nice list. You, you you advocate so well. You you're fun to talk to. Um, you had you 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 know you're humble. You have no problems talking about the downfalls of things. It's just it's just so nice to have you on and like and and for you to be so vulnerable and so open and so down to just like be an open book. And this is exactly what we look for when we have people on the show. And yeah. uh, I knew That's why it was when I heard be you like guys this. started this, I was immediately like. They are my friends, and I yeah. there. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's funny because they, I, you go and interview Chris Hadfield, who's from Sarnia. Before <laughs> me, it's not that's cool. Right, yeah, that's I, right. And and uh, <laughs> honestly, I want to say, Tara, like I, I felt like I knew you before this conversation, but yeah. it was really nice. Like this has I, felt like yeah. a long time coming. So I'm really glad that we got to do this. And I'm got excited to hang out for the I'm last. Glad. I mean, it's too bad that we missed Taylor tonight. We did miss him. We should. You say. know, he's. Uh, <laughs> I'm joking. He really I feel like I know bad. him too, though. Like, yeah, I feel yeah. like I know all of you guys. And shoot him a message when this is over, and be like. I'm so him. glad you weren't on the podcast tonight. Just <laughs> fucking razz him. He would be like, "Wait, who is this? What happened?" No, he would. He would. Uh, I got a new he name. Would, he would find that very funny. Uh, Tara, thank you. Yeah, this, this is this is the best. Long uh, overdue. Look, how, how can people uh, stay up to date with you? I know, like, I, you know, you're you're not like a public figure, but you put yourself out there, and, and you might as well be. Um, uh, Facebook categorizes me as a public figure. There you go. There you go. <laughs> then you are. So well, you gotta pick something, right? Blogger, give yourself a little figure. a little yeah. plug. Um, so I do keep up with my Facebook page, uh, which is alive with every breath. Um, I adjusted it a bit um, when I found out I had to have a second transplant because it was helping Tara breathe easy. And we ran a whole campaign to fundraise and it was hard to run a campaign again with mm. the same slogan. Anyway, so uh, <laughs> Facebook, Alive With Every Breath. Um, I'm on Instagram. I find I use my Instagram a bit more than my Facebook now, uh, which I am. I also just changed that. Uh, just don't change your last name. No. Um, I'm <laughs> Lisbeth.life on Instagram right now. Um, I find Instagram's just easier for the quick little posts. And then I feel like I don't have a lot of health stuff. So I just share my puppy and my kitten and I mean, really, that's the shit that everybody's looking for. That's yeah. that's the content. And the odd you get want. the occasional like lung function photo or like yeah. scale of me being like, I am the only female that will be like, Yes, I put weight on. <laughs> hey, I, I got a question for you before you wrap. Uh uh, what's the biggest thing that CF has taken away from you? Oh, biggest thing it's taken away from me my sanity um <laughs> i don't think i've ever been asked that and it's hard to say oh you know what so where i'm at in my life right now um married almost three years as of january 11th um we are in the process of finding out if it's possible to have kids um 
I've oh, always wow. been someone who has known since they were two years old that like they've wanted kids. And like my therapist asked me a month ago, like, well, what is your future look like without kids? And I was like, I have literally never even imagined that. Like, not because I didn't want to, but just never occurred to me. Um, and one of the main meds you're on with transplant apparently can destroy women's eggs or not can, it does destroy them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, it's like a potential future thing that is in the front of my mind right now is having a family in the easy, affordable way of natural. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, otherwise I would, you know, this sounds like really deep and depressing, but in a not bad way, it took away like being a kid um, mm-hmm. for me and not making decisions based on, being a smart, logical adult about things. Like I, I always joke, I grew up at like four or five years old because, mm. you know, my parents, the way they raised me was looking back amazing um, because I never, like, it was just, I have CF. It was always just a part of me. It's what I did. We didn't hide it. You know, people would walk in the door. I'd be in the middle of doing my mask and there's smoke everywhere. And they're like, oh, hey, Tara. Like, it was commonplace. I just did what I had to do. And it was my responsibility. I mean, obviously my parents would be like, treatment time. But um it was like I grew up mm. so quickly and like I always like made the responsible right choice back on my health. Um, and like I, I, it doesn't let me just like let loose and go have fun um, mm. as easily. So I would say it, may, it probably has made me a little more wound up and anxious and overthinking everything of like consequence of stuff. So it would be nice to just have, I, I say, like the ignorance of being a kid and a teenager and like not having to have experienced heavy life decisions. And mm. that would be the biggest thing it's taken of, which it's not always a bad thing. But sometimes when you look back, you're like, you know, I wish I could have just gone out there and not been the one who held back on you know, wanting to do this trip or wanting to go mm. here or even something like as simple as you know, going out to the bar with friends. Like I have never once, can't lie, once, like been drank to a point where I was throwing up because I was like, mm. you can't throw up these transplant meds because if you don't take them, you will. Yeah. Like a drink, drink into the point of throwing up, overrated. It um, is. Now that uh, I'm older, I'm like, I don't even want to be up past <laughs> nine o'clock. Like, what, like, what would you no, say but, is the biggest thing that uh, it's taken or that it's given you? Um, it's given me some friendships that are awesome, like on such a different level than just people I meet day to day. Um, but the biggest thing I think is just this platform of like when I did speeches and somebody would come up to me afterwards and they're like, you are amazing. And you are inspiring. And you, and I'd always be like, I don't know how you react to that. Like, that's weird. Like, I'm just telling you my life story. Um, and it, it's just kind of given me that confidence of, yes, I talk too much and I love to talk. And my mom says, mm-hmm. you know, like she used to pay me in dimes and nickels as a two-year-old to shut up. But, hey, <laughs> it pays for my life now. <laughs> but, like, I, it's kind of given me that confidence and the presence of, you know, I have a story to share, even though I'm not the person who, you know, went to school, got a job, like got their life together and everything. Like, I feel like I turn, I turned 30 this year. Yeah. It's January 2nd, big year for me. And like, I am just starting to figure out my life. And I finally feel like, you know, I don't have a cap on like 
not living long enough to just enjoy it. And it's given me like the, the gift of living in the moment, mm. contrary to being a planner and everything of like realizing the value in a moment really of, mm-hmm. you know, it's the little things in life that are, are huge. And I didn't learn that lesson too late in life sort of thing. You know what? I, I feel like with that, I, f- I feel like I have the um, ability to give you guys an award um, as, as, as somebody who grew up as a twin, you know, there's something really special oh, yeah. about having an identical twin brother. Um, there's not really many other people on this planet that I could imagine having such similar kindred like bonds mm-hmm. with one another. But I'd have to say that people who have the same type of illnesses who have gone through similar types of treatments and stuff. Mm-hmm. I'd say they Even have, if it's completely different, like Jared hasn't had a transplant and I haven't mm-hmm. been on trichafta, but like totally. we still... Mm-hmm. I, like I think I think you guys do get like... I think you get the like honorary twin award. I, I feel like I feel That's like special. I, I feel like I, I have the the power bestowed upon me to grant this. And so I'd say, you. you know, sick people, even if you feel alone in what you're going through, you There's have an honorary twin. Up out yeah. there that gets it i like this i like this it's i great. like that i'm adding that to the show notes i was gonna say new title is discovering your honorary yeah. <laughs> Tara, uh you rock this is awesome thank you so much and uh we we look forward to one day meeting in person even if it's from a good distance you know what i'm coming out east this summer Fuck yeah. my parents Let's have a go. cottage in new brunswick so i will come find you We'll just run frolic in a field at a distance. Well, there you go, folks. Hope you enjoyed that conversation. As always, we are coming at you Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. And if you are a fan of the podcast and you want to support the podcast, there's a number of ways you can do that. First of all, you can leave a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. We love reading them. You can simply rate the podcast on the Spotify mobile app, if that's where you're listening. Or if you want to join the conversation, hop on over to our Discord. The link is in the show notes of this episode. And uh, we have a lovely little community over there of sickos and non-sickos all hanging out, chatting. And uh, hey, you could even help produce the podcast over there if you want. You can, again, find that link in the show notes below. Sick Boy Podcast is produced and co-hosted by myself, Jeremy Saunders, Taylor McGilvery, and Brian Stever. The show is managed by Jeffrey Lonis over at Talent Bureau. The sound design of this episode is brought to you by Donovan the CPAP Morgan. And of course, the theme music is from the band Take Part. That is it for this week. I'm Jeremy, and this is Sick Boy. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.